first of all, still really impressed with the auditorium. <laughs> Looks great. You know, to be honest, I, I really didn't like the uh, stained glass windows when I used to come here, but since they changed the walls, it, they just, you know, like they say in the clothing store, they pop. So that's, it's, that's a, it's, it looks great. It really does. I'm impressed. Then uh, also I enjoyed, I could hardly contain myself during the graduation ceremony. Pastor Bile, he was tearing it up. It was good. I, I could have said amen just all throughout the service, so I enjoyed that. Uh, we just, oh, uh, let me give you a, um, Sunday, went down to the nursery and saw Daniel, and he looked almost like a frog. He was so green, and uh, they called uh, the rice before the day was over, took him in, operated, they had a, you know, uh, Elizabeth's sister had come, she was planning on donating part of her liver. Well, they say that they, they like, they'd rather have some, a letter from somebody that died. So that happened. They got a call Sunday evening. Uh, they got there, I don't know, probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. They operated on Monday. And um, Tuesday, Pastor Russ was in that. They you know, took, I don't know, how many hours? I think it went in the left. It was more than six hours. And um, on Tuesday, Pastor Russ said he's... he's his face and everything is pretty much normal color. Um, he's doing seems to be doing great. In fact, um, one of the Bible studies that I have on Tuesday, there was a lady there who told me that her son had had a had, had a liver transplant and he had done well with it all all the time. So we're excited. Thank the Lord's answering prayer there. Uh, just had some upgrades done to our auditorium, so we can actually see and hear each other. Uh, we, we were back in last night, and it put in a, we had a ceiling tile that's got, had holes all in it, you know, so the choir sings, it kind of goes up into the ceiling, but now it doesn't. And, um, I, you know, over they used to have one return from the ceiling that was right over my head. So whenever we did prayer requests, it made me look old, you know. I was always having to do this, and and um, they took that return out and put two on either side, which it was the one was too small by itself anyway. So it's quiet, and people were talking about how they could hear prayer requests all over the church. This really increased, uh, greatly improved the acoustics and looks nicer. Of course, I picked out the lights, so of course it's. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, good to be here. I hope uh, the Bowders are uh, having a good uh, vacation. But I, I'm just, just really rejoicing Saturday and glad to see what the Lord's doing here at, uh, at Lighthouse. And I hope you have set aside the uh, uh, those days in August where we're having our 60th anniversary. Uh, we will start on uh, Wednesday night. There will be two preachers. 
We'll have uh, Thursday morning be one at 10.30, Thursday evening two. Friday morning there'll be one at 10.30 and there'll be a ladies meeting and a luncheon for them. And then we'll have you know, two preachers Saturday, uh, Friday night. Saturday we'll have uh, lunch together. Some of you have been out to our land, went to the, didn't some of you come to the gun class out there? No, I guess maybe not. Anyway, um, it's about 11 acres out there. We've got a building that we can use. We'll have a cookout and some games and stuff and uh, some preaching for the young people at least. And then that Sunday we'll have Sunday school, uh, Sunday morning, and then I guess probably an afternoon service. But So there'll be uh, Pastor Mitchell will preach Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. He'll be one of the preachers, and he'll preach Sunday afternoon, and then the rest of them, Pastor Bowler preached, I think, one of the evening messages, I guess on Wednesday, and uh, Brother Francis, Brother Chapman, Brother Jones, uh, Pastor Russ, and myself, I, I think that's all of them, but anyway, I uh, hope you'll plan to come as many as you can. I'm sure Pastor Bowler counts your Thursday night service, and uh, so you can be with us. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's look at uh, Judges chapter 15. Uh, I want to read uh, just three, four verses here, starting in verse 14. This is referring to Samson. Brother McConnell calling me. I'm not surprised at all. Uh, anyway, verse 14. And when he came into Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass. And put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, have I slain a thousand men. It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramoth Lehi. So, uh, Samson is at least the second guy that I can think of that did some rapping in the Bible there in verse 16. Uh, who would be the first rapper in the Bible? Oh, Lamech. Lamech sang a song about killing people. He was the first guy to have more than one wife. But here, uh, this looks like uh, he's made up a little song about uh, his victory. And it's always good if you're going to do trash talking to do it after you've already won. So that's what uh, Samson does here. But I want to speak to you tonight about the title of the message is Samson, a donkey's jawbone. All right, let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. And... Uh, Thank you that it's honest. 
and about life and about your people. And I thank you that it gives us truth that we need to hear and that will can and should shape our lives. And I pray, Father, that we would, you would give us ears to hear tonight and that uh, we'd receive the truth that you have for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I was a child, I, I grew up in a liberal church, Presbyterian church. That None of the pastors that I had that I remember, uh, maybe the guy when I was a baby was, but none of the rest of them were Christians. And yet um, I knew the story of Samson from Sunday school. He was probably one of the most well-known characters, you know, in the Bible for kids who grew up going to church when I was a young person. Uh, he was obviously a great warrior for Israel. Uh, almost single-handedly relieved Israel of the oppression that they were receiving from the Philistines. Uh, Judges 13, verse 5, that tells us that's what God's purpose for bringing Samson forth. Here God is speaking to uh, his mother, Samson's mother. He says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from his womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And uh, they, the Philistines definitely hated Samson. In fact, in his death, we know that he sacrificed his own life uh, in one last great act of faith and brought about not only the deaths of a great number of Philistines, but he, he destroyed the temple of Dagon when he did that. Uh, we'll look at that in a little bit. Well, let's look at it now. Judges 16 and verse 23. Here Samson has been, uh, had his, he's had his eyes put out. They've been using him like an animal. Uh, verse 23 says, Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. It came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson, that we may, he may make sport a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport. And they set him between the pillars, made him sport. That's just, they're making fun of him. And Samson said to the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and, and women, so it's a large building. It's got these two columns at least, probably somewhere in the center of the building. There's uh, a floor above that where thousands of people are. Um, Verse 27, now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called on the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two miller pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. 
And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. And, of course, it said that all the uh, lords of the Philistines were there, the leaders and everything. So there were the Philistines did survive some after, but that was a, a very great blow to, their, to Israel's enemies. And for these reasons, of course, Samson is listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of those champions of, of the faith. However, you know, after I was saved and after I started reading the Bible and became more familiar with the Scripture, it didn't take me long to figure out that Samson's life in general was not one to be held in high esteem. If you look at chapter 16, verse 1, here's just one example of it. It says, Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. It was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is coming hither, and they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning when it's day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and rose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city into two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron, then there's another one right there, verse 4. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Um, Samson had a, a reckless uh, weakness for women, uh, especially Philistine women, apparently, who uh, were worshipped Dagon, the fish god, the false god. Apparently, he was immoral a number of times with women like this. In fact, he was so reckless in pursuing this immorality that it led to his capture and death. You know, with Delilah, three or four times, I don't know exactly how many, there were actually soldiers in the house while he was there spending the night with her, and he didn't even know it. And she called him out, after he did these things, you know, she said, she said what's your strength? And she'd, he'd tell her. And these Philistines would appear, and, you know, he, he still went back. Now, better take note of that. If we get involved in saying with things that we know that we're wrong, you will be blind and so forth to the dangers that are going on, and that's clearly the case with Samson. So after reading that you know, a couple of times, I thought, what in the world is Samson doing in Hebrews chapter 11? Um, Hebrews 11.32 says this, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. He's talking about all these people that live by faith and did great things for God, and there's Samson right in the middle of them. Um, it, it actually, if we just if we didn't have that Hebrews chapter eleven, it'd be pretty easy to wonder whether or not Samson was even saved. Uh, certainly, his the testament we have is not any better than that of Lot. Uh, it's worse than Lot. We know that Lot was saved just because of the statement is made there uh, in um, I think it's Second Peter and Jude, maybe together 
But I think the Bible is clear for that matter that Samson was saved. That's why he's in Hebrews chapter 11. And also believe that probably, this is just a surmising, but probably uh, the record of Judges draws more attention to uh, Samson's great failures and maybe leaves unrecorded some of the good that he did. Uh, the only really idea that we have of that is chapter 16, verse 30. It says there, Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtahol in the burying place of Manoah, his father, and he judged Israel 20 years. Well, we don't have 20 years' worth of events that were going on in his life, so I would assume that perhaps he had some positive spiritual influence upon the nation as well, but we don't know that for sure. Um, so there's no detailed record of anything like that of his work as a judge. He judged for 20 years, but I'm assume, assuming that his 20-year service had some, had, like I said, had some positive spiritual impact. What does God want us to learn then from Samson's life? I mean, he, he's, according to Hebrews chapter 11, a hero of the faith, but he's, he's a poor testimony, terrible testimony. Well, let's look and see. What do we need to learn from his life? Well, first of all, I would say this. We need to understand that God does not save us, and God is not good to us because we're good or because we deserve it. Uh, the Bible is very clear about this. For example, Genesis 32, 10, uh, I think it's Jacob saying this, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Jacob said about himself, 1 Samuel 9, 21, And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of Benjamin? Worth there then speakest thou so to me. This is when Saul was uh, anointed king. He's wondering what in the world for. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He says something like that in Ephesians uh, 3.8, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Uh, if you want to hold your hand there in Judges, turn back to Genesis chapter 9 as well. Excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 9, I'm sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 9. And uh, the Lord says this same thing to Israel as they're about ready to go into the promised land. Um, so in Genesis, uh, excuse me, Deuteronomy 9 verse 1, he says, Hear, O Israel, Thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakim, whom thou knowest and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand, therefore, this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee. As a consuming fire he shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before thy face, so shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said unto thee. 
speak not thou in thine heart after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, <clears throat> excuse me, for my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord does drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of those nations, the Lord thy God just drive them out from before thee, that he may perform the word which he, the Lord sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Something like this in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 20, verses 41 to 44. God says, I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out of the countries wherein you have been scattered. And I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I shall bring you out bring you into the land of Israel and the country from which I lifted up mine hand to give to your fathers. And there shall you remember your ways and all your doings wherein you have been defiled. And you shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for all your evils that you have committed. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have wrought with you for my namesake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O ye house of Israel, saith the Lord. I mean, we even have the statement about Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, God brings rain and sun on the wicked, the just, and the unjust. He doesn't cause our guards to grow or cause our salaries to rise or whatever, give us health because we're good and we deserve it because of his mercy and grace. And because he forgives sin. And really, that, I mean, I just read a few key passages. But Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. On Lamentations 3, probably some of you could quote that with me, is because the Lord's mercies that were not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Talking about God, not us. In fact, turn uh, with me to Ecclesiastes, quick, just briefly here. Let's see. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. I think that's the way it goes, isn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books. Although, when you first read through it a few times, it may be a little hard to understand, but once you get it, it's, it's wonderful. But this is what he says in chapter 9. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrifices, to him that sacrifices not, so those that keep religion, those that don't. 
As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil thing among all things that are done under the sun, that there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Um, probably know that the, one of the key phrases, a few key phrases in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, one of them is under the sun. And here's Solomon, I assume toward the end of his life, where he's, he's looking at all things happening on the earth, and he's, he says, I'm looking at it just as if the sun is as high as anything is. There's no God. Just looking at it the way people do. And he said, if you want, look at a righteous person's life and the things that happen to him, you look at a wicked person's life and what happens to him, and you really can't tell who God favors. Righteous guys get cancer too. People that are wicked prosper a lot of times. They're healthy. And he's saying if you just look at it from under the sun, there's really you can't tell who it is that God favors. Of course, eternity's coming. He acknowledges that as well. But the point is, again, God is always good, and he always deals with his mercy. It's not because we have deserved his blessing and his favor. So Samson didn't get all that power because God thought, well, this guy is a great, great servant. In fact, it's just the opposite. Secondly, if we do not live, this is something the Lord wants, if we don't live a life of obedience and denial of the flesh, we will greatly dishonor the Lord. That's a danger for all of us. Who is a man after God's own heart? That was David. Committed adultery and murdered one of the best men in Israel. Think about Judah, Jacob, Hezekiah, Peter. I guess we could keep going on. The people, Peter, the Lord told him over and over that night, you need to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. But he ended up denying the Lord anyway. And those who have spotless testimony in Scripture, Daniel, Joseph, let me see if there are any others. <laughs> well, Mary, Jesus' mother, but really the reason they have a spotless testimony is because God doesn't reveal everything about their lives. Um, if he did we wouldn't want to read the Bible it's hard enough to read the book of Judges as it is when God lays bare the way the nation of Israel is doing after all his blessings to them if we don't live a life of obedience we don't learn to deny our flesh we're going to end up like Samson and some others I can guarantee you that. Third, as God gloriously, graciously, and mightily fulfills his word and his righteous will, this wonderful plan that he has, he uses flawed and failing people. Why does he do that? He wouldn't have anybody to use if he didn't. 
He wouldn't have anybody to use. You know, Peter had a terrible fall, but he also was the guy that preached at Pentecost. He was the pastor of the church there in Jerusalem for a while, thousands of people. And then he went out and preached uh, as an evangelist, I guess you could call him. And we're all sinful. And one of the greatest verses in the Bible is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that wasn't written, that wasn't written when Samson was had his eyes put out. But um, there's no doubt in my mind that he, before he prayed and asked the Lord to allow him to revenge, avenge himself, he had prayed and asked the Lord to forgive him probably many times. Uh, probably did many times when he was committing those sins as well. But he uses flawed and failing people. There's, there's nobody else that God uses other than his son who was perfect. Nobody else has been perfect. So if you think that God can't use you, you're wrong. You can even be living in sin at times and God will use you. I don't say that to encourage anybody to live that way. But from time to time, I, I meet people who's either they've been beat down by other people or they have such a sensitive personality they, they think, I, if something goes wrong, it must be because something's wrong in my life. Please don't think that way. The Bible didn't teach us that. The fourth thing to learn is that God rewards our faith. Now, that starts in salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So even the faith that we have that believes, turning from sin and turning to the Lord, is something that God gives to us. And Samson did great feats. This is the whole point of Hebrews chapter 11. Because he had confidence in God's pers uh, purpose, and in God's ability. Though Samson failed often in his sin, he, he had faith in God. Who would take a jawbone and fight against a thousand people, a thousand soldiers? I mean, that's absolute suicide. Unless you're Samson, and you know what God's purpose is for your life, he told them to bind his hands up. He said, just promise me that you won't kill me. Told that to the Israelites. And then he went out there right to them, knowing that they were going to kill him. That's because he, he believed what God would do through him. He knew that's what God called him to do. Um, in fact, in... In Judges 16 there, verses 28 to 30, <laughs> he's blind, he, he can't see anything. They've been using him like an animal to grind grain, you know. But he's in there, and they're praising their God. And he tells that guy, he says, could, could you just put my hands on the, on the pillars? 
think the reason he had faith to do that is because hair started growing back. Now, his long hair didn't have anything to do with the strength. But it was a reminder to him that God had chosen. He, he didn't keep his Nazarite vows. He didn't keep them. The only thing he did until he, the last time was he didn't keep any of the rest of them. He just didn't cut his hair until, you know, Delilah got the best of him there. But I think when it started growing, he thought, you know, God is a merciful God. And maybe he's got something left for me. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, uh, the Bible says this, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye, shall have, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to the yonder place, and shall remove, and great, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I've never ever planted mustard seeds. They're about, about that big. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you ever seen mustard seed? They're tiny. Probably about like tobacco seed. They're real small. We have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, what we in our human corruption think is, hey, that means whatever I want. I, if, if I want a Rolls Royce, if I just have faith... Hey, God says it's mine. He does not. Faith is in the word of God. I mean, if we obey God and trust him, he, there's no limit. Think about Jonathan. He knew the Lord had called him to be a soldier. Read that this morning. Here's a whole army of Israelites and his dad over here quivering. Big old huge army of Philistines up there and and uh, Jonathan says to his servant, hey let's go up there and show those guys a thing or two he says if they say and y'all come up here then we'll go up there, God's given them in our hand they went up between these two rocks and killed or killed so many <laughs> Philistines that the ground was shaking it's because he believed in the Lord this is what Samson did God raised up Samson to destroy the Philistines, and he trusted the Lord. Matthew Henry had this little quote. He said, True faith is acknowledged and accepted even when mingled with many failings. Maybe keep that in mind. Yes, the closer we are with God, there's no doubt about he's delighted to use us. But God answers prayer, belief. He answers, he responds to faith, even though we failed him. Will we ever get our prayers answered if he didn't? So God rewards our faith, and certainly he will in eternity. Fifth, we ought to have mercy and grace like the Lord does toward us. Uh, I can't remember where this, whether it's in Proverbs or maybe in Ecclesiastes, but it's a pretty interesting piece of wisdom. It says, if you hear what somebody says about you and it's not too favorable, don't get too disturbed. Why? Because you've said the same things about other people. 
You've been critical of some of your best friends. You've said things about them that you wouldn't want them to know. So if you hear somebody that somebody said something negative about you, don't get too worked up about it. You know, there's a parable in Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, the Lord talks about um, church discipline. Two Christians in the same church have something against each other and how you're supposed to work it out and if they... You know, if it goes different steps and it takes enough, finally it's told to the church and the person that won't make things right is voted out of the church. And then Peter says, you know, Lord, how often should we, could I forgive my brother? Seventy times seven? I think he's thinking that was pretty good. And Jesus answers him with a parable. He said there was a, a servant who had spent, must have wasted I don't know what it is in modern time. Probably well over a million dollars. And his master called him in and said, Hey, I know what you've been doing. I want to hear about it. Tell me, give me a report about what you've done with my money. He found out he owed all that money. The guy falls down, you know, and says, Forgive me. He said, I, he said Throw him in prison. Sell his kids. Sell his wife. We'll get a little bit of money back. Just let him get in prison until he rots. And he begs and pleads, and the guy says, I'll let him go. That guy goes out, finds somebody that owes him a few thousand dollars, grabs him by the throat and says, pay me what you owe me. He says, if you'll give me a little bit of time, I will. Nope. You go to prison, and I'm going to sell your family, your kids. Well, somebody there heard it. Goes back and tells this that man's master, and it says that um, not only did he put him in prison, but he turned him over to the tormentors, the ones that torture people. And he says that God will do the same to us, literally. He will torture us when we are not willing to forgive others. After all, we've been forgiven. You know, it's an interesting thing in the, one of the most carnal churches in the New Testament, church at Corinth. The church was had it. There was a man in there who was involved in incest. He said, even the heathen don't do that. And they were happy with it. They left him in a church. Paul writes him and tells him to kick that guy out. And then the guy repents. And what happens? They don't want to forgive him. They were fine with it. And now that they're forced to do what's right and they kick the guy out and he gets right, they don't want to forgive him. I tell you, we should, we should never have problem forgiving somebody. Just, I just, just wondered. Maybe good for the young people to see this. How many of you who are over thirty, been saved for a little while, have committed the same thing over and over, but you still ask the Lord forgiveness? Anybody like that? Yeah. 
It's hard for us to do that to somebody, forgive somebody. When they do the same thing against us two or three times. Well, the Lord forgave Samson. And the Lord used Samson. I mean, I don't know how it was when he became a judge. If he was 20, he lived at least till he was 40. And uh, I don't really, I can't really really read of a time when his life, when he really was what we would call living a separated life. One of the first things we read about him was he wanted to, he met a Philistine girl that he wanted his dad to, you know, arrange for him to marry her. And he said, his dad said, can't you find a, an Israelite, a godly girl? He said, get her for me. He didn't have much respect for his parents either. But the Lord used him, forgave him. But you know, I, the title of this message is Samson, a donkey's jawbone. I want you to look back at our initial text here in Judges 15. In verse 15, Judges 15, 15, he says, He found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. It came to pass when he had made an end of speaking, did he cast away the jawbone out of his hand? So here's a guy that's been called of God and has, I believe he probably did have some natural strength, but superhuman strength. He's going to face over a thousand men, unless he killed every single one of them. He may have. He may chase down the last guy and kill him. But when he was going to make that attack, he looks over here and there's a, a jawbone laying there from, the, from, a, from a donkey that's died and he picks it up. Now, everybody knows this old saying, if you're going to a gunfight, don't take a knife. If you can get a 50 caliber machine gun, take that. You get the you get the best thing. He wouldn't have if he was going to fight a, a thousand men. He wouldn't f- look for a jawbone. And when he got through with it, what use was it? Nothing. He just threw it away. And we'd have to say, and I'm obviously I'm not God. But it looks like that's what he did with Samson. Samson got to a place where he had allowed his sin to overcome him. And his eyes are put out. And they are praising their God because of Samson. Instead of bringing glory to God, Samson is he's gotten to a place where he's, he's a liability. There are people like that at the church at Corinth. He said, some of you are sick and some of you are asleep. 
because they weren't living for the Lord. They were not controlling their flesh. They were all divided with each other. They were coming to church and getting drunk in the Lord's Supper. Taking people and suing each other, church members in court. And so God took their lives. Now, I don't know about you, maybe you don't think about this much as a young person, but I think about this as an old person. I'm afraid of doing that. I'm afraid of, I hope, I hope that'll keep me from, I'm afraid of dishonoring the Lord. My flesh is still as wicked as it ever has been. And so, there's no doubt in my mind, and here's an example, God has used a man with a lot of failings to teach us in a very important lesson. We don't want to end up like Samson did. In spite of the fact that he had great faith, we do not want to end up like he did. But if we're not careful, we will. So maybe tonight, there, it's easy for us to allow something to go on in our lives and not make something right that we should have taken care of a long time ago. And you know, the, the longer you let it go, the more difficult it is to change. The more times you give into a particular sin or temptation, the easier it is to give into it the next time. There's, there's some changes you need to make. It's determined tonight to do that. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the example of Samson's faith, and I pray that we would remember that, that we would trust in you, have confidence in you to do the things that you've called us to do. Remember how you used Paul to tell Timothy um, that you haven't given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. Maybe there are probably someone here tonight at least, maybe several, that... Um, kind of discouraged or think that you can't use them for some reason or another, or pray that they would realize that that's a lie from Satan. But, Lord, help us also to understand that the, the thing that you desire from us most is to, to love you and to walk with you and to be compassionate, forgiving toward others. And, Lord, that our purpose in life is to bring glory to you to make the changes that we need to make in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.